Coca-Cola Company, Keurig Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo are bringing consumers more choices with less sugar than ever before. From sparkling, flavored, and bottled waters to zero-sugar sports drinks, teas, and sodas, consumers are taking advantage of these choices. In fact, nearly 60% of beverages sold contain zero sugar. To learn more, visit balanceus.org. you ever question the nature of your reality? Broadcasting live from sunny Southern California, straight to your YouTube channel. This is a show where we explore different realities to help expand our minds and help us escape the simulation. So welcome, guys. I'm your host, Jess Rogie, and this is Escape the Simulation. This is episode 55, and today is Monday, February 28th. I mean, can you guys believe we are already at the end of February? We're headed into March. It's springtime almost, guys. So years gone by fast already. So I have a really amazing show for you guys planned tonight. But first, I want to remind everybody to head over to the website, escapethesimulation.info. There you can sign up for my newsletter and you can find archives of the show as well. And then I also want to remind you guys, we are live here every Monday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and live on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, here on YouTube and on the Fringe FM on Wednesdays. Uh, so you can also find me on social media at just search Escape the Simulation Radio. And also, if you guys want to help support the show, um, anything you donate helps support costs for monthly software and hardware for the show. So if you want to support the show, you can head over to Patreon and search the Rogie report and you can support the show for as little as $3 a month over there, 
Or if you're not into monthly donations, you can head over to buymeacoffee.com backslash the Rogie Report because that was the name of the show before. But I'm going to post that in the, the chat for everybody there just in case. All right. So if you guys didn't catch it this past weekend, I did the Women in Ufology with Lynn Wallington. It was awesome. So if you guys haven't seen it, I'm going to put a link in the description. But uh, it was six hours of UFO talk. Um, from more woo stuff to all the way to nuts and bolts stuff. It was, uh, it's really interesting. You can learn a lot if you want to check that out. Lots of amazing ladies. Um, I'll have to throw a link in the description for you. Also, let's see. Um, tomorrow night I'm going to be on, uh, eTalk TV with Jeff Rennell. I think I'm doing a panel over there from 7 p.m. Pacific to 9 p.m. Pacific. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And I want to give a shout out to everybody in the chat room tonight. Let's change the slides. Uh, well, there's the buy me a coffee slide. And guys, I'm going to be doing a current and uncensored podcast where I talk about current events. So I'm just going to do these little pre-recorded episodes at first, and then we'll start doing them live. But that one is only going to be audio because you guys know I love audio. So I have a great guest for you guys tonight. But we got a fancy little trailer here to play first. Let me, let me do that. Hold on. I think it's this window here. All right, here we go. Let's see. Well, well, I want to welcome Mark Fiorentino to the show. You know, that's the first time we've had um, anybody uh, have a trailer to introduce themselves. It's pretty schmancy. Pretty fancy there. <laughs> that's my media background there. That's I had a, a guy help me with that. Uh, I had all, all the stuff came to me. I knew which slide, what I wanted on it, what I wanted to say. We just put it all together in a couple of days and knocked it out. And... Uh, it came out exactly the way I imagined. So I was very happy about that. No, I like it a lot. I was like, this is nice. It kind of, and then it introduces us to like some of the topics too, that we're going to talk about. It's a perfect way to introduce you. I don't know. I mean, and it's better than reading a bio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I it, gets, it gets down to the meat of it, but I did read your bio and it's a great bio. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's it's uh it's what i got it's what i'm coming with <laughs> too late to uh, change it now too late to change it now but you know we have a i mean you're you talk about unified field theory and einstein so is this something you've always been into well i started out just accidentally getting into it oh by the way this is episode 55 i was born in 1955 so it's oh yeah yeah, and I was born just 20 miles from where Einstein lived. Uh, actually, I, I was born on his birthday, March 14th, and 35 days later, he died in the Princeton Hospital just down the road from where I lived. So we just met, missed just, each like, other. Missed each other. Isn't yeah, that interesting? I, he left and I came in. And at the age of 10, um, I was going to catechism and the nuns wanted us to find a saint on our birthday. And uh, there was no internet back then. So it was kind of hard to look up stuff like that. Uh, so I wound up just um, going to the calendar and talking to my parents. And I saw Einstein's birthday 
was on my birthday. So I went to the encyclopedias and started reading about them. And then I, I read, read a passage that talked about the unified field theory, and it just struck me. I, I still remember to this day how sensible and important this was. And then I, I just got a love for science after that. So I just continued from, from 10 years old on reading about science, physics. Then I got into UFOs when I was a teenager and uh, always thinking about the unified field theory in the background and uh, trying to put it all together and make somehow, you know, make it make sense. And uh, I, I never actually thought that I would make any discoveries. I thought it was, I was always going to read about. I was waiting for this physicist to come along and I waited for 45 years and it turned out the person I was waiting for was me. And um, here we are. So I wrote that book on, upon my retirement. Uh, first day of retirement, I'm going to start the book. I did. And four years later, I finished it. So that's how I got into it. So it's always been, a, you know, a hobby, I guess you could say, that turned into something much more than that. No. And it, so... How can we can can you even explain what unified field theory is for people in the audience who may not know? Yeah, sure. It's 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 real simple. It actually, uh, Einstein believed that electromagnetism and gravity emerge as aspects of a single fundamental field. Uh, so let's go over that statement again. Fundamental field turned out to be something called the ether. So. Mm -hmm what they thought that field was back in before 1905 uh, was a quasi-elastic solid. Uh, so the particles that we see going through and the forces like magnetism and the electrostatic field, the Coulomb force and gravity were turned out, as I discovered, to be bendings, uh, deformations of that fundamental field, the ether field. A quasi-elastic solid is, you know, quasi means if you apply a force to it, you know, out in space somewhere where it's just flat Euclidean space, if you put a magnetic field on it, it bends to that shape. When you remove it, it snaps right back. That's the quasi. Elastic means it can deform, stretch, bend, contract, whatever, in, in small increments, depending on the field. And a solid just means something that is continuous. That's actually the true definition of a solid, that which is continuous. So all Einstein thought about was, you know, electromagnetism, which at that time was photons and such. I deconstructed it back to the primary fields of the electrostatic field and the magnetic field, being two different types of bending of space, and then worked out how to solve for the gravitational field. So I was able to connect all of that as a result of, quite simply, uh, particles that interact with space. That's always been the key, not particle interaction with particles as quantum mechanics believes. That model is incorrect. The proper model was like Einstein believed, which was particles somehow bending space. And then when you bend the space, it guides the path of particles. So it's, it's actually a much more simpler mechanical uh, method than, than what quantum mechanics has for us. 
So that's it in a nutshell. Electromagnetism and gravity emerge as aspects of the single fundamental field. They're just different forces of that primary field. Interesting. Did I catch all that? Possibly. <laughs> if you want to know more, just ask a question. Don't be afraid. You know, I'll explain it in detail. What I'm basically saying is that force, action at a distance, is mechanical, purely mechanical in, nation, in, in its nature. Stresses and strains within this material, this medium, is what's causing attraction and repulsion. Uh, and as I got into it, I discovered that gravity was merely a contraction of space. And anti-gravity is an expansion of space. And I found out ways using particles to get one or the other to come about. And that's what the unified field theory really is all about, making sense of all that and being able to make predictions that, which I do in the book for anti-gravity, that neither quantum mechanics nor relativity predicts. They don't predict anti-gravity, but I do, and I know exactly how to create it. And I'm going to be working on that project uh, coming th this year. Wow. So you're going to work on anti-gravity. So it's just not gravity. That's all it is. Yeah, it, it's just, just the opposite, as you would expect. If gravity is a contraction of space, you want to get a, you know, like an expansion of space. And that leads to the discovery of the slip wave. And, That's where we want to go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that goes, that guides us. Well, if, if it's an expansion of space leads to anti-gravity, not only does it achieve that, but there's other things it has to fix as well. And uh, like inside of a UFO, you know, they can go 5,000 miles an hour like this and then make a right turn. That would yeah. kill anybody. Uh, in a normal jet or whatever. You, you can't do that. The, the G-force would be immense. Uh, so in order to achieve that, you have to surround the ship with the slip wave, a uh, spatial bias field that protects the occupants of the ship from feeling inertia. So the slip wave, anti-gravity also cancels inertia, which allows the occupant to go well beyond the speed of light and so forth. But the slip wave is something I discovered while I was looking for the solution for how particles move. So what I did was I took from nature what I discovered about particle motion. I says, I'll bet you our alien friends, ET, use the same method. It's how we learned to fly. We learned from looking at nature, you know, the Wright brothers and Da Vinci, they looked at birds, they studied the wings. I studied how particles move, which, by the way, is something that physicists do not understand and, and, and usually take a deep breath if you ask them, how does a photon move or how does an electron move? They're moving perpetually. How do they do that? They have no answer. But in the book, I give the answer. It's, it's, it's basically a pressure wave that happens within each particle, and it's due to its structure, which... Uh, as it turns out, was a vortex shape. Uh, just like the guys did thought back in Maxwell's time. Uh, they had that idea, which I used to laugh at and think was silly. And then the more I thought about it, you know, there's really only one way for these things to do this. There has to be a vortex shape. 
And then the more I thought about it, the more I, I thought about it some more until I could figure out a way for the particles to move on their own autonomously. And that led to the discovery of the slip wave. Once I analyzed how a particle that's a deformation, a winding of space, starts very small, winds more, stretches as it's going about in this spiral, the more it stretches, the more space expands. And so you have this bubble that occurs, just like a bubble rising from the bottom of the ocean. Uh, it's due to pressure. Then when I, I realized that pressure seems to be the cause of all motion that I could think of, or 90-something percent, pressure makes rockets go, pressure makes jets go, pressure makes engines turn in the combustion. Everywhere I look, pressure, water pressure makes uh, the motion of the water. <laughs> I said, it's <laughs> got to be a pressure gradient inside of particles. And that's that's what the slip wave is. And then I, I was able to extrapolate over to and say, you could build something using a magnetic field. A magnetic field was the key for many years. And I know you, you're into UFOs and such. Yeah. And for many years. Uh, when I was a kid, I would, I would read Project Blue Book and whatever, and I'd say, hey, the, uh, the Air Force guy is bringing a magnometer with him to the landing site. Magnometers measure magnetic fields. wonder why he's doing that. He must know something. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> they would measure the grass underneath where a landing was, and it was magnetized. And, and that just stuck in my head. I said, well, magnetism has something to do with anti-gravity. And for years, I pondered how that could be. You know, what's the deal? How can magnetism cause anti-gravity? Then I realized that magnetism is a rotation of space. It's a... The Coca-Cola Company, Cured Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo are bringing consumers more choices with less sugar than ever before. From sparkling, flavored, and bottled waters to zero-sugar sports drinks, teas, and sodas, consumers are taking advantage of these choices. In fact, nearly 60% of beverages sold contain zero sugar. To learn more, visit balanceus.org. And now, another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. It looks like your luggage is over 50 pounds. Is there anything you can take out? Oh, yeah. Let me just toss all these $20 bills. Great. Let me grab you a trash can. Stop. Instead of throwing money away, move some clothes into a carry-on. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. Torsional, the reaction to moving charge. And, and so... Uh, when we create an electromagnet, you know, we're moving electrons to the wire and it's rotating around the wire. Space is rotating as the electrons, which are basically twists of space, are moving through space. The space is turning around it. That's the magnetic field. And that's what's needed to create the anti-gravity field. You need a really powerful magnetic field. And um, that's how you do it. And, and that's what I'll be working on. I've got some ideas. Interesting. So if, I have a question for you. So like you've seen, you've heard of like the Tic Tac, would that be some, the Tic Tac shape would sounds like it might be very good for this type of movement. 
Very clever. <laughs> Did you see that on one of my shows, or you just think that up right now? No, I just thought that up right now. I well, didn't see it. I thought the same thing. It's it's a brilliant deduction, and now I'm going to tell you why. Uh, back when I was reading about uh, the UFOs, the motherships always seemed to be a cigar shape. I yes. Thought, yeah, why is it cigar shape? Why is that? Uh, it's a simple shape. And, and I noticed that UFOs basically don't have anything protruding from them. And then once I discovered the slip wave, I understood, oh, okay, well, that's why is this shape. The cigar shape is the perfect design for um, a craft that, that uses. See, what you do is. I have this movie where I, you can see that there's coil, coils are inside of the, the uh, spaceship. And they start at one end, you have one coil, then one in parallel, and then another all the way to the end of the ship. And so what you do is you turn this one on pretty strong, and then the one next to it even stronger, and the one next to it even stronger, and then the one on the end is the strongest field, and you'll move in that direction. Because the strongest field... Bolt makes space bulge as much. It pushes out. It pushes just like if you put yourself up against the wall and you pushed, you would see you would go in the opposite direction of where you're pushing. And it's the same way it works with the uh, spacecraft. It's actually pushing against the ether field and it gets propulsion that way. And there's no heat. So there are simple shapes are the best shapes for UFOs. Because you have to surround, especially if you're going to go beyond the speed of light. It's very dangerous to go beyond the speed of light. You have the Lorenz transformations you have to deal with, which is, a you know, Einstein's special relativity. If you exceed or get near the speed of light, very real things happen to you that will kill you. You can't do it unless you're inside of a slip wave, which cancels the effects of the Lorenz transformations, which are contraction of length, increase in mass, uh, two things that are going to give you a lot of trouble. Your, your inertia is going to build to, the, you'll be like a flat pancake flying through space at the speed of light if you're not inside of the, the uh, slip wave. If you're in there, you're fine. And the ship has to be, the whole ship has to be in it. That's why a simple cigar shape is best because you can make the rings for the magnet it's like a giant magnet, uh, electromagnet, and it, the whole thing is contained within it. Any part that's outside of it will be crushed by the the effects of the Lorentz transformation. So the, the entire ship and its occupants must be inside of the um, anti-gravity field. That no, So it all makes sense because people say, why is there no heat signature? Why? How can how can there be occupants if 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 anything moved like that? They you know basically like you said be liquefied, but if they're protected within this kind of basically warp bubble, I'm, I'm yeah, sure. it's, it's a little hard to imagine because we're used to feeling inertia, right? Because our modes of transportation are you know kind of external. Uh, you have jets rockets, whatever, that's pushing you through space. Uh, yes. When you're in a slip wave, the wave itself is moving through space and you are within it and protected by it. So your particles don't interact with the ether. 
because they're being stretched apart. And, and this has actually, in a way, been predicted by James Clerk Maxwell, uh, who determined what the speed of light was by realizing it had to do with permittivity and permeability. So the speed of light C equals one over the square root of permeability times permittivity. And when you use an intense a magnetic field and you stretch space, you reduce those numbers. And now space has less permittivity and less permeability and the speed of light can go up. That's a proven mathematical idea, which has been discovered in the properties of metamaterials which are all over the internet, if you want to look them up sometimes, there are scientists claiming that if you shine light within this material, it goes infinitely fast. And that this triggers big arguments with physicists. They say, no, it's not that scrupulosity, you know, you know, and they start arguing. But the guys, you know, the design of it confirms Maxwell's equation because they reduce permittivity and permeability within the material, the metamaterial which, by the way, is a material that many people claim the outer hull of the UFOs are made of. <laughs> so, That's no accident. It's the best material you could use to build an interstellar spacecraft. It just, it all makes sense. It makes sense. I don't know what to say. I mean, it yes, it, it sounds complicated, but when you say it, it makes sense. Like, because I kind of picture like, you know, like a little, like a tic-tac or a cigar shape with like a, like warping of space time and it's protected in a little bubble and it just like moves along. Well, you can see on some videos, I need to get one. I saw one the other day. It was excellent. You can see the air around the ship as the magnetic fields are, are moving because they're very dynamical. You could see the air being rarefied and there's like uh, ripples uh, from the magnetic field. Because, you know, this thing is dynamic. It's, if you want to, you know, they got steering coils and they, and they can do this stuff like, like that. They can switch yeah. direction. It's just turning on different coils and the thing just does a right turn or, or kind of does this floating, spinning thing. They play around with it. I think they're giving us clues when they do that kind of stuff. And uh, there was just one uh, in the presentation I made. I have a video of, uh, I think it's out in California somewhere, uh, where this guy was filming this UFO and it was going back and forth. And you could see the rings were, were causing uh, the exterior of the ship to light up as they were scanning back and forth. And the ship would go like this way and it would scan then it would go like this way and it would scan the other way. And you could see it moving in relation to the, the sweep of the magnetic fields, like oars rowing <laughs> through space <laughs> using the magnetic field to propel you this way and then propel you back that way. Uh, and um, I think they try to give us clues sometimes. They must know we're watching or something. And then little by little, they're revealing some of this stuff to us. Perhaps someday they're going to, uh, when we're ready, and I think that's the main problem, we're just not ready as a world yet, a group consciousness to accept the existence of ET. And uh, But, you know, thanks to the government, we're, we're not going to get it because they're going to cover it up. That's the, that's the country's biggest secret, ETs and anti-gravity. So that, that's, it is a simple, once you understand 
the basic mechanics. You're only working with a primary field, and you affect that field by these forces. And you got three forces to work with: electrostatic field, magnetic field, and the gravitational field. And it's it's really basic stuff. And I was able to use basic math to predict the particle, the neutron, and the proton mass uh, to absolute certainty and, and accuracy. The equation is so good, it it can't be broken. It will, it's always going to get the right answer, even if they find that the, the, the quarks are a different mass or whatever. It's no problem because I have the information necessary to make the adjustments, and it will give the right answer again. This equation works, and it's centuries old. It's called the moment of inertia, and I, I, I developed a, a system of equations that support it, and uh, it, it's it's a beautiful thing. It's a simple thing, and it shocks physicists when they look at it. It says, "All you got here are things in motion." Well, that's all you need because the motion through the ether causes the contraction, accelerated motion through the ether causes it to contract. So particles create their own mass, their own gravity via their motion. It's very basic. Well, it, it sounds very basic, but how fast, I mean, I mean, can this basic, does this basically mean they can travel at the speed of light or how fast can they travel? With the slip wave, because the magnetic field alters space by causing it to stretch, it reduces, like I said, permittivity and permeability. Those numbers, if you plug those numbers in and you see that they're shrinking, they're dividing into the one on top there. And the more they shrink, the bigger the number, the speed of light becomes. So by using the magnetic field in an intense magnetic field, uh, you stretch space, you reduce permittivity and permeability. If you go all the way to zero, which I don't recommend, because that's going to be hard to control that ship. It's now going to be going at a rate of speed that'll take us out of the universe in an instant. Yeah. And that that's not good. So you don't ever, and I'm sure that they don't do this, they just say, hey, you know what would get us to Proxima Centauri 4.2 light years from here in a reasonable amount of time? <laughs> Let's go 50,000 times the speed of light. And you'll get there in like 15 or 20 minutes instead of going at the speed of light, which isn't fast enough. It'll still take us 4.2 years to get there. That's not Shoot. practical. It's, it's useless. You have to go beyond. ET is not getting here by going, you know, 90% the speed of light. They'd be stuck in space for eons just to get to the nearest stars to them. I'm talking about going in, getting in a spacecraft and going to the other side of the galaxy in a matter of hours, which I'm sure is what ET does. All you got to yeah. do is have uh, this, this system set up. Uh, and I'm sure our government probably has these spaceships already by reverse engineering, um, you know, you crashed UFOs. I mean, I would love to get a look at it. I'd love to see what, how their coils are shaped, where they're located. That would give me loads of very valuable information. <laughs> <laughs> All you need is one. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, they've got them, and you know they put a lot of physicists to work on the problem, and they. The only thing that, you know, I don't know where they're getting it from, but you need room temperature superconducting coils. Uh, you, you know, you need these magnets to be really strong. And I, I, somebody must have discovered it and they must have classified it when it happened because I haven't heard anything in the news now for many years. They were getting close and then all of a sudden you don't hear anything anymore. And, um, that and you need a very substantial power source. You need to be. Oh. I'm, I'm going to guess somewhere in the megawatts, uh, continuous power into these coils. And once you exceed this light speed barrier, you cannot cut the power. That would be very bad. Instantly oh, fatal. It's no calling the Scotty saying, We got a problem. You're dead. You're gone. Everybody's. Oh, you're Vaporized. Once you have to slow down before you drop the magnetic field. If you don't, you're you're a goner. So, <laughs> the Lorenz transformations all kick in, and you get crushed to a flat pancake. You your mass goes to near infinity. They can't get there because you'll you'll be forced to slow just below the speed of light. Be stuck like that until you hit something, and everybody you know nobody lives. But so you have, need to build systems that are redundant. You have to have like three sets of coils and you have to be monitoring the current, making sure that there isn't going to be a failure in mid-flight. So that's another reason you have to get to where you're going quickly because the longer you're in this mode, the riskier it becomes. You yeah. do not have a failure during the flight because nobody will ever hear from you again. So it's very important you get to where you're going in a hurry <laughs> no it makes sense because i was always wondering because you know you think of star wars you think of star wars and you think they go to light speed and then they just like pop up and they're at their destination so that would kill people in real life so star wars if, if, yeah if you didn't have a protective field the slipway oh. if you weren't in that and it's interesting to note also that the magnetic field is very powerful and you need to be protected from that. And it just so happens that there's materials that can be used that I've shown there on the inside of the ship that seals off the magnetic field. There's materials that absorb the lines of force and others that kind of reflect. And you can use those in combination. So the people inside the ship do not experience the magnetic field but the anti-gravity field cannot be shielded, just like gravity. You can't shield gravity unless you have an anti-gravity field. So you get the benefits of the magnetic field creating the anti-gravity field, but you're not stuck inside of a huge magnetic field, which is probably going to make you feel very bad, if not sick, or kill you. So uh, it, it's a, it, it just you can see the whole thing is an intelligent design. Uh, and the theory of super relativity is an intelligent design theory saying that there's nothing accidental about how all this works because the father, the creator says, I want my beings to eventually be able to go to other stars and, and visit other civilizations. And, and so there must be a means and a mechanism in order to, to do that. And, 
And sure enough, there is a way to do that and to do that fairly safely. And um, this allows us to perpetuate our race, our species, just in case something goes wrong on this planet or any planet. You have to be able to get off this planet. We need to bilocate somewhere else uh, just in case something goes wrong. We need this technology and we're not safe. Humanity is not safe until we get it. Wendy's two for $6 lets you mix and match some of our best items, like <gasps> Dave Single with a 10-piece crispy nugs, medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich, spicy chicken with a Dave Single, Dave Single with a strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, if you're into that. Chicken Sam, crispy nugs, crispy nugs, strawberry lemonade, Dave's, Dave's, nugs, nugs, Sam, Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price of participation may vary at U.S. Wendy's. On the card only, single item at regular price. This week at Macy's, find your new favorite jeans with 40% off Levi's looks for him and her just in time for spring. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 15% off handbags and wallets already 40 to 50% off. And take an extra 10% off great furniture and mattress deals too. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. So it's vitally important. The sooner we get that and we start building large spaceships, if we have to, we can leave this planet for another planet somewhere else and, and not be wiped out. No, I guess that is the only, like, because that makes, that's, that's the only thing that can make sense for interstellar travel. Like, it has to be that. It's got to be very fast, and uh, you got to be able to to do it in such a way that, you know, doesn't cause any harm. Because when you're inside a slipwave, it feels like you're in, um, you're floating. You're just, like, floating along. You're not, if you didn't have any windows, you'd have no idea you were moving at all. It's like you're stationary. Can't even uh, tell. And what would be interesting to see, and I've imagined what it would be like to exceed the speed of light. So everything, if you're looking out your window going forward, will turn black. And everything behind you will turn black. And then if you look out to the sides, you get like a rainbow effect of the stars oh, cool. that are parallel to you. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll be literally the color, you know, purple will be in front. And then, because um, that's compressed, the Doppler effect. So as you go back, you go purple, blue, uh, orange, green, red, uh, yellow, orange, red, and so forth. And red will be on the back. Purple will be on the front side and red will be on the back and it'll just be a thin band that goes around so you'll see the stars all kind of stacked and compressed in there and there'll be different colors uh, but straight ahead pitch black right behind it pitch black but the photons are still able to come in but they're highly compressed beyond the visible spectrum so you have to have a special monitor that would receive the incoming high energy photons and then down convert them to visual and then put them on the TV screen so you could see again. But the backside, you can't do that because the light particles can't catch up. It's just going to be pitch black behind you. That's okay. You're not going to run anything into anything back there. Just got to worry about what's happening up front. So it would be an interesting thing to see. Uh, 
I don't know if we'll ever get to see that in our lifetime. Maybe your lifetime. You're a lot younger, but I don't know. Uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe. I mean, we could, we have tic tac technology here soon. We just need the materials, and then. Yeah. Oh. I, I think I, I know for sure, for sure, that we have this technology because I talked to somebody who saw it firsthand, yeah. who's, been, who's never, you know, they wrote to me. Uh, after seeing one of my shows and because uh, I was talking about, I think that we have it. I believe that we have it. And he says, I know for sure because me and my friends saw it. And we, they've never come forward. You, you don't know who they are and I won't ever say their names. Yeah. But while they were in the desert, they saw one and they were able to walk up to it oh. within touching distance. It was a small craft and they saw the markings on the craft. And they said the marking said U.S. Air Force experimental, and this was in 1970. Seventy. So you know it's they've improved it much since then. So, I have a question, but we have a question in the chat first. I'd like to 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 ask if you don't mind. John, no, go ahead. Yeah, good. Yeah. This is from Tommy G. He says, what do you think of the secret space program uh, created a small fusion reactor to generate the megawatts of power needed to run these craft or reverse engineered some other power source? Uh, a small few is exactly right. It has to be small because it got to fit in the spaceship and you don't want to be near it because there's radiation coming out of that stuff. Would be a small fusion, but we don't have that small or large that technology yet. Uh, so I would imagine the first ones we did were fission reactors, very small ones, because I, I see having one the size of a basketball would be great. Uh, and uh, I suppose something like that could be engineered because the main thing you got to do is generate enough steam or some pressure again, so that you can get something to spin. The faster you spin the magnets around the coils of the generator, the more electricity you're going to make, the higher the power. And so you need something that's really cranking at a ridiculously high speed to get the wattage you need to make this happen. Or there has to be some other sort of technology that has been patented, and we, we know, a lot of us know about how the patents have been bought up by power companies and such. And again, I talked to an eyewitness who I will not reveal, who, who works in an area where those patents are and saw that they were, they could change the world. But the companies that bought them shelve them because they'll lose money if these things ever go to market, you know, free energy or whatever. So I imagine one of these, these systems, uh, and I thought about it a lot in my mind, how, how this could be done, uh, has been utilized. Or they, uh, they, they ripped off something from the, the aliens, something that I haven't even imagined. But uh, somehow that, that package is now available, and I believe they have everything they need and they, they just need to share that with the rest of the world so people like Hitachi and Samsung and IBM and whatever can start building spacecraft themselves 
so that, you know, we could have small versions, you know, like supercars, super ambulances, super trucks, super buses that could get across the globe in a matter of minutes. Imagine being able Imagine. to travel. Yeah. My fantasy is to go to Tahiti in five minutes. Could you imagine like you don't even got to be in the airplane for like out because that's the thing I hate. I can't yeah. I want to travel, but I can't stand being in the airplane for like hours, like six hours is too much. I'll go crazy. Well, to Tahiti is like two day trip. I mean, it's all the way on the other side of the globe. Oh, yeah. well, you're going 25,000 miles an hour in the supercar. You're going to be there in about 15 minutes or less. And I would go then, everywhere. <laughs> You could go to France for breakfast, then zip over to Rome, Italy for lunch, and be home in the afternoon at 3 p.m. for a nap. This is very doable with supercar technology, which I talk about in the book. But you know what? You know, the government or, or, or we're going to have to independently discover the anti-gravity field ourselves in order to bring this forward. Something is going to have to happen to allow this to come forward. And I'm, I'm going to try to do my part. I thought writing the book would be enough, but I'm beginning to see now that mankind is going to need just a little bit more help here. <laughs> yeah, you just we got, you got people got to you got to talk about it too. This is really cool stuff because, like, why we? This can happen. This will happen. It's been seen in our future. Uh, psychics like Edgar Casey saw these supercars running. Back, back when he was alive. Uh, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. And um, hopefully I can help bring that forward. That's what I'm dedicating the rest of my life to, is to get anti-gravity technology up and running in the commercial world so that uh, mankind can be uh, moved toward a utopian society. Definitely, this will make a big difference, bigger than television. Bigger than the automobile, bigger than the radio, bigger than the bigger aircraft. Than anything. You can it's see the biggest discovery ever. It's the biggest thing. It's global. It's global. global. We would all be friends. I mean, in theory, we should all be friends if we could all visit each other like this. Like, there's no reason. Like, do it. Go to any country you want during the day. Have lunch. Um, Go to the snow, go to the beach, go to an island. Like stay in Vermont for the weekend for a nice snowfall, no problem. You can go right there. You don't even have to drive on the mountainous roads. You just go right up to the land and go right up and leave again. No going weaving down the slippery, icy roads and so forth. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Spooky Morales says Mark's a hero. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about that. I'm just trying to do my thing. I if you make can, sure. you're smart enough to do it, you do it. That right? Oh. I mean, I guess I got to do it. You got to do it. I'm trying to get people to do the experiments that I talk about in my book, and I decided, well, maybe, maybe you need to do the experiment yourself. So just start doing it, and you just gotta start doing. Okay. Oh, but yes, Azuki Love says. Do you have a website? I do have a link to his website here. It should be down there. And she also says, are you familiar with wits? I'm not sure what wits is. Yeah, I'm not sure what she means by wits. You might want to expand on that. Yeah, um, if you could tell us what that is, Azuki. I'm trying to I do have a website, though. 
www.super-relativity.com. There we go. Nope, that's not my notes. There's my notes. Hold on here. I'm sorry, I don't have it available right now. Wait, where is it? Nope, it's in my email. Is it superrelativity.com? Super-relativity.com. Got to put the hyphen in there. E.com. Somebody bought super-relativity. Was wanting to sell it to me for tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, and get no. out of here. This thing, this things only cost like ten bucks. So I know, right? I just, just <laughs> there's people. They think of all these ways to make money. I tell you, they're so clever. <laughs> I can't believe. He's like, you want it? I'll sell it to you. What's it yeah. worth to you? <laughs> I'm not falling for that one. Here we go. Let me throw it there, and I'm also gonna. It's super-relativity.com. Okay, Azuki Love says, Wits Ministry, they do advanced tech in poor areas that that need it. Well, I'll have to look into that. I'm not familiar with that. I get a lot of suggestions for people to contact. And some of them, they're good, but they have their own agenda. And so sometimes I don't contact it, but I study them. If they're very successful in what they do. Uh, I say, well, how did they manage to get push their agenda forward so so well? So, you know, there's always things that can be learned by going to these places and studying how they do business and so forth. I'm still learning. You know, I'm going along right now. This is what I do. This is uh, my next step is to get the word out there to as many people as humanly possible in hopes that the right people uh, will realize this is correct. I mean, they could verify my unified field theory solution anytime they want. And in so doing <laughs> would mean that the theory is right. And so, well, maybe we need to take this guy seriously because I would love to help somebody uh, build the first UFOs the, or whatever you want to call them. Or I guess Starships. not. I, would they be UFOs anymore? They'd be IFOs? Well, the, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, just a starship, you know, because uh, that would be a great contribution, and I would love to be a part of that. Maybe someday that will happen. Who knows? Yeah. Just you never know what the future holds, and uh, I'm in this for the full ride. So uh, my job to do this, this was foretold many years ago when I was 19, Nineteen, huh? Yeah. What did you yeah. think at nineteen, hearing that this was like what you were supposed to do? Well, you know, so it's, it's an interesting story. There's a parallel story, a supernatural kind of paranormal thing going on. Me and a bunch of friends decided we were going to go for fun to a place called Casadega. Have you ever heard of Casadega? No. What is Casadega? In Florida, it's a little small town in central Florida, and it's the North American spiritualist capital of North America. Oh, and really? uh, it's a town loaded with psychics, and they all go there. They have their own church. And, you know, this was back in the 70s that we went there. And I heard about it, and I thought, man, that would be cool. Let's go there. And we're, me and a bunch of guys loaded up in our cars, and we said, hey, we'll go to Daytona. On the way to Daytona, 
we'll stop off at Casadega and get a reading in that time we call it getting our fortune told. Yeah. Um, and so me and a bunch of guys went and it was a chilly October day, blustery, cloudy. It was perfect. Very spooky. And um, we pulled into town and it was dead silent. And there's nobody walking around anywhere. And every once in a while you'd see a little house with a little sign that says medium, you know, so forth. Uh, clairvoyant. And you knock on the door and maybe somebody would answer and maybe they wouldn't. Well, while we were waiting, a big branch blew off a tree and fell on the other guy's car. And they got spooked and they left. So they went to Daytona. So it was me and this other guy. And we go into this, we find this quaint little house. Uh, her name was Martha McKay, a sweet little old lady who had the gift. And um, I went first and I had a total, totally normal reading. And everything she said came true about my marriage, my children, uh, what kind of job I would eventually have. All of that came true within like five to 10 years the all said thing but the first thing she said to me is that in your final days you will be a spiritual teacher and the next oh. out of the next six psychics i think three of them also said that was the first words out of their mouth i thought well that's strange that is Who's strange that somebody's obviously the same person is obviously talking to these people a guardian angel and um but she didn't tell me something, and I left, and then the other guy went in, and he got his reading, and then we got in the car, and we left, and when we're driving on the way to Daytona Beach, and then, you know, he's telling me about his, and I'm telling him about my experience, and then he says, well, that's something about you, Mark, and I says, what? I don't have anything special, really, just your ordinary stuff, love life, you know, all that. She says, oh, no, yeah, you're going to be famous someday. You're going to... And I can't remember, it had something to do with an invention or a discovery or a book. And I says, I wonder why she didn't tell me that. And I thought about it, I thought about it. If she had, I would ask questions because I would have wanted to know about that. And mm -hmm. I think I needed not to know any more than that. That was just to get my thinking. And I was gone out of the car so there was no way for me to go back, really, and question her on that. So that was a very deliberate thing. So the thing she didn't tell me that she told the other guy who wound up telling me was really the big uh, moment, you know, and it stuck in my head for, for many years. And other psychics kept mentioning this thing in the future. Uh, they kept saying, yeah, it's going to happen, but it'll take much longer than you think. Wendy's two for six dollars lets you mix and match some of our best items, like Dave Single with a ten-piece crispy nugs, medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich, spicy chicken with a Dave Single, Dave Single with a strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade. If you're into that, chicken Sam crispy nugs, crispy nugs, strawberry lemonade, Dave's Dave's nugs, nugs, Sam Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price and participation may vary. U.S. Wendy's on the card only. Single item at regular price. 
This week at Macy's, find your new favorite jeans with 40% off Levi's looks for him and her just in time for spring. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 15% off handbags and wallets already 40 to 50% off. And take an extra 10% off great furniture and mattress deals too. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. And this just kept happening over and over again. These weird kind of encounters. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to these people to discuss this. It was always having to do with marital problems or, or something like that. And then this would just kind of come up in the background. But it kind of stuck in my head. Uh, and I tried to do inventions for years, but nothing ever seemed to work. And I finally gave up on it. And uh, as it turns out, one of the psychics kept saying to me, you know, you should write. You should practice writing. And I'm saying, why? You know, this is like 20-something years before I wrote the book. Oh, this wow. Is, why do you want me to write? I have no interest in writing. <laughs> I would tell her. But she was <laughs> wanting that, or they were saying, encourage him to write because he needs to practice writing. Apparently, the book was the, in the plan the whole time because everybody has a life plan. And so I'm now living my life plan as you are living yours. Everybody on this planet, 8 billion people, all have a life plan before they were born. And I kind of uncovered mine uh, throughout the years by going through all these experiences. So. So what I'm saying is we all have a life plan. Mine's a little strange, a little bit unique, uh, but it's, it's the same as everybody else. And um, so, you know, <laughs> there's the website. Then, no, I was going to show the book here that you're talking about that he was told 20 years ago he would write. Actually, it's 45 <laughs> years ago now. 45 years ago you were told... So, yeah. I mean, when you actually wrote it, was it like, oh, my God, did you think about that before you started writing or did, did you realize it? No, at, I had kind of given up. I had kind of given up on the old idea and I wanted to re retire early. So I says, I, I need something to do. So I said, I'm going to write this book on this theory I have all these years, all this reading, all these notes I made. I got a topic I know a lot about and I'll write about it. And that's all I was thinking. I wasn't thinking, this is it. You know, <laughs> this You're is like, it. This uh, is going to be the unified film theory. Like, I do it finally. <laughs> you know, when it was over, I, I said, you know, this sounds awful like, like a theory of everything. I mean, you've got so many things worked out. Um, this is really interesting, you know. But I was done when that book was over four years later. I, I had something to do for the first four years of my retirement. I got up every morning and I go in and I write and then, you know, I was happy and uh, not, not really thinking about the the psychic and all the other ones. It was very, you know, way in the back of my head, kind of just still wondering what I was going to invent or discover. Uh, I, I have never thought I would actually work out the unified field theory problem that, that, <laughs> I still having a hard time believing that, but yet it's there. It's written. It's been done. And the math is there out on ResearchGate. That button at the bottom, the big button on the website. Oh, yeah, here, here, here. Hold on. Here we go. That takes, that takes you there. That yeah, the orange one. That takes you right to the page, uh, right to where my two papers are. 
that discuss the unified field theory. So you go to where my papers are and you can read about the unified field theory, uh, that one. And yes, that one is the first one. That's where I discovered this, how fast the quarks were moving in, inside of a neutron and a proton. And I wrote that like in 20, about five years before I wrote the book. I just got this weird idea. I need to figure this out. You see these weird synchronistic things. It's hard to explain. Why would anybody think about that and say, I need to work out. I need to know how fast these quarks are moving inside of the proton and the neutron. And I worked it out. They're moving at 99% the speed of light in a very tiny space. And that motion, that accelerated motion is what's causing a contraction of space. They're moving in this pattern, which I discovered. Oh, yeah, here, here, let, me make, let me pull this out so people can see. Yes, this pattern. This, what is this, this pattern? This is a trefoil knot. I discovered this pattern. I got the idea that Einstein and, uh, was probably looking for a dynamical geometry, which I call the signature of God. And um, mm. I, it just popped into my head. I said, uh, and it, I got the idea from Einstein. He said, I want to know how God created this world. I am not interested in this or that phenomena in the spectrum or this or that element. I want to know his thoughts. The rest are just details. And I thought about that and I says, yeah, if you want to know how something works, go to the creator of that something and ask him. So I thought, well, how am I going to do that? I got to die if I'm going to talk to God. But then I realized, you know, again, I happened to be for many years studying NDEs. And I thought, wait a minute, let's imagine for a second, God decides he's going to tell somebody how matter and energy work. So I decided I'm going to look through NDEs, looking for anybody that sees a dynamical geometry, a geometry in motion. I know we'll have three elements, three okay. sides, three something, because there's three quarks inside of the neutron and the proton. And this riddle popped in my head, and it said, the signature of God is in everything and everywhere, but it is impossible to see. And the answer came like that. It's inside of the atom. He signed the universe right in every atom in the universe. And you can never see. You will never be able to see those particles moving. It, you, you can't. It's too small, too fast, and you've got to bounce something off of them. And all you can do is get a, a rough estimate of what's going on in there. But the, I found an NDE person, Ben Claire Dennis, who sees something uh, this trefoil knot pattern, it's a slightly different one. It's really a trefoil knot that look, it appears to be rolling, which is part of what I'm pretty sure is going on. It's rolling and spinning. And so this trefoil knot eventually, because it's going at 99% speed of light, turns into a rapidly rotating sphere. Exactly oh. what's needed to cr create a, a uh, gravitational field that has no poles because this thing is moving so fast, spinning and rotating, the contraction happens all the way around the edges. And that's confirmed by the Ehrenfest paradox, which I also discovered, which was Einstein's happiest thought. And I'm linking all this together, Ehrenfest paradox, the trefoil knot pattern, 
accelerated motion of a fundamental unbalanced charges will create a, gra a gravitational field, a contraction of space. Linking all this together to come up with the unified field theory solution. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff there. The Aaron paradox uh, was Einstein's happiest thought because he figured out a way for particles to make mass. And um, I saw it as soon as I read it. I said, holy crap, that's it. <laughs> that's <laughs> the way it's done. And I'll read it to you. Einstein followed the line of reasoning that began with the happiest thought of his life. Still at the Swiss patent office, he concluded one of his famous thought experiments. Einstein imagined a circle spinning in space. The center of the circle did not move, but its circumference was moving quickly in a circular direction. Einstein compared what happens in several reference frames, a standard tool he used in developing the special relativity theory. Now, Focus on this next statement, underline it, bold it in your head. He concluded using his special relativity that the boundary of the disk contracted as it spun. There was a force acting on the circle at the boundary, the centrifugal force, and its action was analogous to that of a gravitational field. But the same contraction that affected the outer circle left the diameter unchanged. Thus, Einstein concluded in a way that surprised even him. The ratio of the circle to the diameter was no longer was no longer pi. He deduced that in the presence of a gravitational force or field, the geometry of space was non-Euclidean. Non it means it was tracking around the perimeter. That's what causes a gravitational field. Everything is there needed for that particle. So the motion of electromagnetic fields rapidly the three quarks rapidly moving around in this, forming this rotating sphere was just what's needed to cause a, the mass, the gravitational field. It's just that simple. That's his thought, finished. And I, all I did was then take a second rank tensor formula, which he predicted would be the solution. I didn't know that the formula that, that I had was a rank two tensor. I had to go on the internet and ask, Hey, give me some examples of what rank two tensors are. The one they came up with is the most, <laughs> most common example, the moment of inertia equation, the one I used to finish the, the unified field theory problem. And it comes from Einstein. 90-something percent comes from Einstein, Maxwell, uh, Lorenz, Faraday, and Newton. Uh, with the combination of all the things they put together, I was able to piece it all together and fix physics. Uh, the whole quantum <laughs> mechanics thing is, this is why they can't solve the problem because they have the wrong model. All these brilliant people are wasting their lives trying to use this model and it's not going to work. Because then if they're using something, an incorrect equation and so they're using the wrong model, so everything is off, nothing is right. And, and and there's guys that that talked about that. Um, trying to find, uh, <laughs> well, oh gosh, Fenneman was a guy that uh, uh, talked about it, and uh, basically he said to his friend, um, oh, what was that guy's name? He wrote a book, Lisa Molin. 
He says, what if uh, everyone you know is working on this problem and is using this solution and it's wrong? <laughs> Nobody will ever know and we'll have wasted our whole lives trying to work on something that was wrong. And <laughs> he says it much more elegantly than I just said it, but... Um, <laughs> Basically, that, that's the situation is that they're using a model that's based on probabilities. And the last time I checked, there's no such thing as a force of probabilities. Things do not happen because of chance and probability. Things happen because of forces interacting and it's deterministic. So they don't, you know, they don't believe in particles having positions or particles having any properties until you look at them. They don't even exist until you look at them. How can they work with this theory? How could it ever, because it doesn't describe how things work. It's just mathematical probability. So there's no explanation. There's no mechanics in quantum mechanics. They should change their name to quantum probabilities and much more accurately describe their mathematics than using mechanics. That's a, a leftover from the old days of classical mechanics. Um, it, it's frustrating because they're taught to think that way. And so the way that I described to you with particles having positions and velocities and all this stuff, that's like blasphemy to physicists. Oh. Oh, they get very upset when you say, you're thinking wrong. It's not like that, you know. <laughs> and Einstein argued with him about it. He says, look, there is an objective reality. Things exist without our consciousness being involved. If I turn my back to the moon does it and not look at it, does it cease to exist? Right. Well, no, it does. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you couldn't talk uh, Niels Bohr or Heisenberg out of it. These guys just know it's all about quantum mechanics, all about, you know, particles, you know, they pop in and out of existence only when we look at them and all this nonsense. And it just got worse and worse until they finally completely lost their grip on reality. They have no idea what's real anymore. Really, they don't. And, and that's spawned all kinds of string theory, which is, yeah. oh my gosh, that's incredibly difficult math and it's complete complete abstraction and <laughs> how they they can't prove it because the energy is required to reveal these vibrating strings which i do not believe exists which turns out to be another form of ether uh, mm. uh, it, it 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 can't be done experimentally and then and then there's questions that pop up okay so there's a hidden dimension. Oh, there's 11 hidden dimensions, and there's membranes in these dimensions. What? Tell me, and where are these dimensions? Hold on. Tell me about these dimensions. You can't see them. They're all wrapped up somehow, and you can't see them. And by the way, these strings, they're vibrating. Then the first question pops in my head, well, what's making them move? Why are they vibrating? Well, where does that come from? No answer. Yeah. <laughs> It's very frustrating, but that's what I'm kind of up against because they, they have to stop thinking 
the way that they've been trained to think. And, you know, they quite frankly were basically told to shut up and calculate if anybody had any questions when they're going through school, like, you know, how does a magnetic field work? Yeah. Uh, Did they tell you? Feynman tried to answer. I, I have a link in my book. There's a video where he tries to answer it and he can't answer it because he keeps telling the guy in very nice words, not the way I'm saying, you're too stupid to, to know this. You have to have a background. Now he didn't say you're too stupid. He said, well, <laughs> you don't have a background yet. You'd have to know about this and you have to know about that. But the guy keeps asking him, but you know, what causes the force of attraction? How does the repulsion, what, how does that work? He never gets an answer. And, and and I got to tell you, it's a tough one because it's a field that's not particle based. There is no quantum mechanical explanation for it, really, unless they make up a particle. And, and then then you've got a made up uh, uh, situation where you make up math. You know, the thing about math is you, you, yeah, you, you can have a formula like an infinite amount of formulas can give you the right answer. And I, I could give you an example. Let's just say you go to work every day and you drive by a cow pasture. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, just those three days. On Monday, there's no cows in the pasture. On Tuesday, there's three cows in the pasture. On Wednesday, there's seven cows in the pasture. Now, the formula would be, can you give me the formula for, for what that is? For uh, cows? Monday, ah. Monday, none. Zero. Stay three. Yep. Then there's seven on Wednesday. So it's really basically three plus four equals seven. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. It never dawned on me how much walking I used to do until I bought a house in the suburbs. Like when I'd say, I'm going for coffee. Of course I was walking. But now it's like three miles and no lattes worth that. I find myself inviting people on walks with me like it's a scheduled activity. This morning, my neighbor asked me what I'm doing, and I actually said, I'm going for a walk with Nancy. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. If you're looking to get a new car, you could really cut expenses by bundling your car and renter's insurance with Progressive. Sure, you love your old car, but you know it's not normal to give instructions on how to open the window. It should be self-explanatory, but it's not. And notice how when you're in other people's cars, you can feel cushion in the seats? That's pretty nice, right? No, it's just normal. So bundle your renters and car insurance with Progressive and put the savings toward a new car. It's time. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. That's the form, because you made up observations. You saw three here, and then the next day were seven, so you know there was already three. So if you got seven, that's four more, a little bit of algebra there, and, and you got seven. So... But you know what? Supposing you can't see what happened on Wednesday or Tuesday. Supposing you go Monday, it's zero, and then on Wednesday, there's seven. So now you can make up all kinds of formulas to get the right answer. Three plus four, four plus three, two plus five, one plus six, six plus one. Which one is the right answer? There's only one. If there's a, a real reality, but the quantum mechanics guys will say, well, it's... Uh, distribution here we got a probability here or well, it could be any of those and we'll see which you know without the observations you have no idea which answer is right which formula describes reality and that's what formulas do 
They are a language that is used to model what is real, to tell us, to explain. It's the language that explains how things work in physics. And so it's all about finding the right formula. In order to do that, in order to derive those equations, you must have the right model. Without it, you're lost. It's just that sad. I don't know how else to say it. They have the wrong model. You know what happened to Heisenberg, Mr. What happened? <laughs> yeah, he was dying on his deathbed yelling, Einstein, relativity. <laughs> he yeah. knew something wrong and he couldn't because we couldn't fit that into quantum mechanics. And it bugged them. It bugged everybody, still bugs them. You know, they can't get relativity to work with quantum mechanics, really. Um it's just, you know, it's a field theory, whereas quantum mechanics is a particle-to-particle -particle interaction theory. And uh, it's, it's completely wrong. So enough about quantum mechanics. I don't want to give them too much. <laughs> I don't want to be like, too much. I love physics. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like, you know, in these, in like math and sciences, like they don't seem to want to be open to new theories it seems like you know it's like people stick by the old way of thinking yeah that that is true um this is what i think the problem is it, it is a tragic occurrence that scientists can be blinded by their own presuppositions mm. that's the problem it's just it's just all over physics and science in general they think it works this way. I give you another discovery I made in the book. Uh, uh, the sun, I've discovered, has a solid neutronium core, and so do the planets. So do all the stars and all the planets. And the evidence is there. But they refuse to accept that the stars are built from solids rapidly spinning neutronium. They, even though whenever a star blows up, uh, goes supernova, the thing that's left is one of two things, a neutron star or a black hole. Black and hole, it, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, black hole is another thing they don't understand. It's simply highly compressed neutronium. Uh, the thing about oh. neutrons is they don't really repel each other because they're a neutral charge. So you can pack neutrons really close together. And the more gravity you got, the more they pack closer together. And at a certain point, then light can't even escape from this gravitational field and they go dark. But they're still neutron stars, according to the theory of super relativity. But like, what's on the other side of a black hole? Well, you'll get a lot of magical explanations. Oh, there's a wormhole. There's, you know. Yeah. You know what's on the other side? A very rock solid piece of rapidly spinning neutronium sphere. It's a sphere you could look at, if you could look at it, it would just be pitch black. Uh, and because it, it's not going to reflect light, it's going to absorb light, whatever goes in, and it's, it's not going to come back. So if you look at it, uh, even if you got close to when it isn't a black hole yet, there might be a little right around it if there's some particles, some hydrogen gas that's spinning around it, and it's maybe um, 
lighting up uh, due to the increased pressure because that's that's how the stars are born according to the super relativity theory that when the big bang happened which was a huge black hole which was made of neutronium not only neutrons went out into space neutron plasma just isolated neutrons but loads of these all different size neutronium spheres the seeds of life from these seeds all the stars and galaxies were formed and the bigger black holes gathered the galaxy all the stars around them and it's spinning and that's why we got the rotation like in the milky way and other uh, galaxies that have that um, you get that from the black hole which we have seen is in virtually in every galaxy out there that we've looked at uh, this is no accident this came from the big bang that's how this all came about and the really magical trick <laughs> that I, I discovered yeah. about neutron, which really got me into the intelligent design theory, is the neutron does something very strange that physicists just don't understand. If you isolate a neutron in outer space by itself with nothing around it, within 15 minutes, a little less than 15 minutes, the neutron spontaneously turns into a proton and electron. And guess what that is? Hydrogen. Hydrogen. And what does the universe needs when it first starts out? Hydrogen. Loads of hydrogen. Every star starts out from a hydrogen cloud. And so I found the source of the hydrogen stored in neutrons that just so happen when they get blasted away from uh, within the Big Bang and come out and load space with tons of hydrogen gas, that's uh, neutron plasma. That stuff within 15 minutes is available and ready to start forming stars. It's perfect. Wow. wow. The, the father made this. That was no, no random accident, accident that neutrons decay into hydrogen. It's perfect. It's just what's needed. It's got to be the way the universe was born. It has to be. There's no other good explanation. I can tell you the guys out there. They don't have it in star formation. You know how they think stars are formed? How? How? Here's the, here's the explanation. Well, there's these clouds of gas, particles, dust, and they somehow this gas gets in tied in knots. What? It's the gas. You can make gas knots? I, I've never seen that. Yeah, and these knots get, you know, knots twisted together, and then they start to compress and shrink, and pretty soon you have a star. And I'm saying, you know what? That makes no sense. And I can't believe you guys actually believe that because the repulsive, the proton has is an electromagnetic object, basically. And it has, uh, the electromagnetic field is like 10 to the 46 or 47 times more powerful than the gravitational field. There is no way that the gravitational field from the hydrogen particles is going to overcome the electromagnetic repulsive force of the protons with the same charge pushing away from each other. That explanation that they have makes no sense, and they know it, but they keep sticking to it. I said, no way that this is going to work. The only way for gravity to overcome the repulsive force and pull the hydrogen in 
form an atmosphere for the sun and compact it so that it's so compressed, fusion starts, you have to have an immense, enormous gravitational field already present. That's the reasonable explanation. That's a real solution. And if I could convince them of that, that's a Nobel Prize winner. I got like 12 or so in the book. That's just one of them. That's groundbreaking. And, 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 and how did the Earth get all of the elements here? You think they just yeah. fell from the sky? Just magically. <laughs> I, I thought that we just happened to be a magical, at the magical or the mathematical distance, which makes it safe for us to live here. And then we have these elements here because we're on a planet, you know, that just is in the Goldilocks zone, right? <laughs> well, you know, what I'm saying is an intelligent design. The whole universe was created by the Father. There are loads of NDE people. This is why I, yeah. one of the reasons I study NDEs, who God tells, He says to them, "Now go back and tell them what I've told you." And here's one on my website. I got a video, a very amazing video from Father Rick Wendell, who had a near-death experience and became a priest afterwards. And he says that God spoke to him and and said this. All of this three-dimensional world is within God. There is nothing outside of God. Everything within this physical universe has to correspond to laws, and God set those laws. They are immutable as God is immutable. None of this, what we see and experience, is an accident. It is all intentioned by God. That's the way things really are. And we got our heads buried in the sand right now. You know, with all the atheists and the agnostics who really don't know what's going on. And uh, it's not like that at all. There is a God. <laughs> and he's this this universe, we're, we're actually inside of him. Uh, like thoughts. Like, just like this show, The Matrix, kind of. It, yeah. It's a lot like that. Because Go we on. have this whole reality is a giant stage in which we live out our lives. Yeah. And, this physical realm was created so we could do that and so that we could struggle because things here are not like they are in heaven where everything's perfect and balanced. There's never any problems here. There's life, there's death, there's struggle, there's pain, there's suffering, there's joy, there's happiness, everything that you can have to experience whatever it is you need to experience to advance and to grow. And, and that's that's the way it really is. So tonight on the show, you've gotten some good input as to the way things really are. And this Seriously. is not just this is not just what I believe anymore. This has gone beyond belief. This is raised to the level of knowledge. Knowledge is more powerful than belief. Yes. Belief, you just think you know something, but when you know something. When something is infused into you, that's a higher form of intelligence of, of knowing, just knowing, you know. And when you read about people on the other side, end of years, yeah, just comes to them because they're connected to the source of everything. God, they all are, and all, and there's other aliens there. There's you think we're the only people in the universe? Enough with that idea. <laughs> that's ridiculous. This universe is teeming with life. 
all kinds and shapes and sizes all over the place. And we're stuck here on this planet with our heads stuck in the sand saying, oh, we're the only ones. We're the center of the universe. No, no, no. No. Like, no. <laughs> it's like, but here's the thing. You're like, like as Tommy G is saying. Tommy G says this. Yes. Science it's exactly and right. Science and spirituality are one. That's part of my mission. Because it's it's so separated in even my mind. So it took Tommy G saying it too for me to go, holy crap. Yeah. Science comes from the spirit realm. Science comes from God. So it's a subset. All the laws we got, everything is from the father, the creator, whatever you want to call them. Creator is a universal being, so it's not just a he or a she. Or it's, it's more than any of that. It's like a concept that we really can't really wrap our heads around here until you experience it when you're at the end of your life and you see the creator again, the light. It's pure love. And, and, and basically, that's what all this was done for. Uh, all this is about love, and that's the last statement in my book. I say that. I say this is all done for love, for the sake of love. Uh, this is a beautiful place, uh, a, a great place. Is when we wake up, when we have the awakening, which I hear is coming, uh, much to the dismay of the people who don't want that. <laughs> but <laughs> if you look up, there's this guy, uh, you look up Project Looking Glass on the Internet, and this guy is really believable. Uh, it's just a short video. Only a few thousand people have seen it, but he's talking about. They asked me to fix the uh, the the, uh, the Stargate or whatever it's called, the Looking Glass. Uh, so because it's not giving the right answer anymore, we're making changes and oh. through the simulator. And no matter what we do, this outcome will not change. Uh, and, and this outcome basically is the truth. The truth is coming out. No matter what they do, they can't change it and they can't suppress it. They don't understand how the system is doing it. But my guess is that this is a thing that's pre-built into the system. It's for the good of humanity that we know the truth eventually. Uh, we have to evolve or, or we'll de-evolve and our civilization will fall like all the ones before it. There's hundreds of civilizations that have wrecked all over the world, buried under feet, many feet of sand and dirt <laughs> and under the oceans because people get corrupted. And um, I don't think that's going to happen this time around. I think we're going to beat the system because it's time for humanity to get uh, wise up and we need the technology I was talking about, the, the anti-gravity technology, because we could wake up in the middle of the night to a very large boom, and it could be an asteroid, let's That's say funny. 10 miles wide, which will eradicate everything on this planet. Or this planet's core could be very unstable. There's a lot of evidence that our core is a little too large uh, for the crust size, which will look at the crust, look over the National Geographic Survey sites, look at all the earthquakes, look at all the volcanoes. Uh, 
there's the, the whole crust is cracked all the way around and all these fault yeah, lines. You know, I live in Southern yeah. California. I, I'm familiar with the earthquake. I think we had one just like the other day. <laughs> you know, we're basically floating on all this lava that is, is being generated by the fusion core that's so going on right down there. And that, that gets hotter than the sun down there. Wendy's two for $6 lets you mix and match some of our best items, like <gasps> Dave Single with a 10-piece crispy nugs, medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich, spicy chicken with a Dave Single, Dave Single with a strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, if you're into that. Chicken Sam, crispy nugs, crispy nugs, strawberry lemonade, Dave's, Dave's, nugs, nugs, Sam, Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price and participation may vary at U.S. Wendy's. On the card only, single item at regular price. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. It never dawned on me how much walking I used to do until I bought a house in the suburbs. Like when I'd say, I'm going for coffee. Of course I was walking. But now it's like three miles and no latte's worth that. I find myself inviting people on walks with me like it's a scheduled activity. This morning, my neighbor asked me what I'm doing and I actually said, I'm going for a walk with Nancy. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. And and um, this is, it's not going to go away because the, the neutronium core isn't going away, and it's going to continue to do the fusion process. And when I thought about it, I said, wait a minute. If there's fusion going on down there, then neutrinos are going to be coming up from the center of the Earth. And I said, boy... I wonder if I could find somebody that actually pointed the neutrino detector that way. Because, you know, that would be a really special thing because I wouldn't think anybody would do that. But I found somebody that did in Japan. Yeah. And so I wrote him a letter. It says, so what's up? You getting any neutrinos from the center of the earth? He says, yep, loads of them. Interesting. (laughs) Makes sense. There you go. Well, it's making all the elements, gold, silver, uh, uh, calcium, magnesium, uh, iron, you know, all the things it's being churned up. You know, there's a gaseous layer. There's a like a like a little layer that's a plasma. There's a neutronium core spinning. That's crushing the, the elements into the higher, heavier and heavier. It tends to burn hotter when you do that, too. So... That process is going to continue until the sun blows up, you know, goes, uh, turns into a red giant, or we hit the um, great attractor, which is about four and a half billion years away from us. So if you go out into the night sky and you look at the Milky Way, and you look yeah. straight through that cloud to the other side, that's the direction we're heading right now. Uh, and when we get to the great attractor, there will be no more Milky Way and no more Andromeda and no more everything else. And if astronomers know this, nobody listens to them because no, it's not the current theory. Theory oh. says that things are running away from each other. But in our local galaxy, we're all coming together. All with the other galaxy clusters, we're all heading toward this thing. And that's going to be curtains. And to- For everybody. Yeah, and to back that up, I says, well, if that's true, then the speed of light should be slowing down because we're entering into a stronger and stronger gravitational field. We're actually accelerating toward it, which we are. And uh, so I look for evidence of a slowing the gravitational field uh, of the speed of light. And sure enough, 
I found the evidence. A, a guy named Barry uh, Setterfield took all the measurements from like 300 years all the way up until now and noticed over time, every time they made measurements, the speed of light was a little slower. Interesting. So there has been a change in the speed of light. So does that yeah. change? But they deny it. The physicists, the physicists won't listen to him, and he's dying now. I think he's oh, no. very sick. Uh, I've, I've communicated with his wife a couple of times, but he, he couldn't communicate because he was sick. Um, oh. But what happens, it's an interesting story. What happens, you know, in the 1930s and 40s, uh, there was a guy, the arbiter of the cosmic or the you know, atomic constants, speed of light being one of those, was getting annoyed that every time they tried to pick a number, they couldn't because every time they made the measurements, it was a little slower. And then scientists started to get upset and they made him write a letter. Raymond Burge, I think, was his name. He says, Hey, you write a letter and you fix this problem because, you know, Einstein says speed of light is constant. And this, you know, these people are not getting it right. There's something wrong with their equipment or something. Even though some of the times it's the same equipment, just done at a later time, and suddenly it's slower. And, and so in, the, in 1940 or so, he wrote this paper and declared it a certain number. Why? He just picked a number. He, he just picked a number <laughs> that was <laughs> close to Maxwell's prediction. He says, this is the speed of light. It wasn't determined by anything. He just no, no. This number, and that's the number. We're going to stick with that number, and now you're going to tune your equipment to that number before you start measuring the speed of light. So, up until that time, they used a specific length of a meter, uh, a, a special meter, a meter made out of metal. It's stored in France. And, and, you know, this was the golden length that everybody was supposed to use in order to determine the speed of light. And you would time it that distance, you know, distance equals rate times time. So um, what they stopped doing, they would start with that and say, hey, it's a little bit off. Let's just shrink it a little. Just close it. In. Oh, there's the number. We got the number. Okay, now it's time to start measuring. They've stopped measuring the speed of light. What they're measuring now is the length of a meter and it's shrinking and nobody cares. And don't ask them about it because that's the accepted theory and we're going with it. So you know, I found on Quora, this guy says, hey, we've stopped measuring the speed of light. This is how we measure it now. And you know what? Speed of light's not slowing down anymore. They made sure to that. So no, they're not. Yeah, that's lousy science, in my opinion. It sounds horrible. Like, how can that be the way that they're doing science if they don't change? You have to change if it's changing. It's a tragic occurrence that scientists can be blinded by their own presuppositions. Uh, and I've, I've run into this multiple times, not only with this... There's another experiment that my theory predicts that the speed yeah. of light will actually increase in a magnetic field. Why? Because magnetic field stretches space, permittivity and permeability drop. So if you shoot a beam of light through a magnetic field, according to my theory, it speeds up. According to quantum mechanics, it slows down. 
So guess what? You know, if that experiment is called the birefringence experiment. It means double refraction. So that when light hits this, it bends and splits into two beams. Well, they've done this for like 50 years. And every time they try, it fails to confirm the quantum mechanics prediction. They never see it slow down. And in one case, they got a negative number, which indicates that the extraordinary beam was speeding up. Oh, and they retracted that report. And so we can't say this because they'll skewer us because that's not the accepted theory. And they keep doing this experiment and it never confirms quantum mechanics. I wrote the guys. I said, did you ever see yeah. in your measurements the speed of light speed up? And the guy didn't actually say no. He just said, we measure according to the rules that state in theory that states the speed of light is this number. Yes. So that tells me they're doing the same thing everybody else is doing. They're tuning to that number. Then they start the experiment. And when they get measurements that don't make sense, they rip the experiment apart and they try again. And they've been doing that for over 50 years. They refuse to, to accept the actual results because it conflicts with quantum mechanics and with relativity, special relativity. What am I going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? All you can do is keep talking about it. Tommy G says, what do you think about the double slit experiment? Yeah, that was Feynman's great example of, well, that's, this really proves quantum mechanics. Well, guess what, Richard? And you know this, Ms. Dr. Feynman, that classical wave mechanics also makes the same predictions of quantum mechanics and it doesn't need probabilities to do so. Just regular classical wave mechanics gives the interference patterns the same way as um, the, the double split experiment uh, gives you. So what they fail to realize in that experiment is that when they're shooting particles one at a time through a hole, there's two holes, two slits very close to each other. And they happen to be right at very close to the wavelength and size of the particle that you're shooting through there. And um, if you move the, the slits further apart, the interference pattern disappears. If you change the wavelength of the particle too much, then the interference will disappear. Um, so what's really happening is if you have the right kind of structure the single photons that go through there, not only go through, they go through one hole, but part of the photon, the field that extends, it's a wave, not just the particle, goes through the other hole and they self-interfere. The, the photon self-interferes as it goes through both holes. One going through, the main part of it goes through one and the edge of the photon goes through the other and you get the wave interference. Uh, you move the part, the slits further apart, doesn't happen. And oh, where's the, oh, what happened? You know, uh, it's because the explanation for the double slit experiment is it's particles self interfering with the geometry that's set up by the experiment itself. There's no magical mystery and it's nothing to do with probabilities and particles going every possible path and then calculating down and then, you know when it uh, is observed, the particle picks the path 
to go to. That's <laughs> nonsense. It's it's simple, simple rudimentary wave mechanics. That solves the solution. That gives you the solution just as good as quantum mechanics formulation. Like I said, there's more than one ways to get the right answer. And what's confused the physicists of this time is that they can use quantum mechanics formulations to get the right answer, but they have no idea how that answer, <laughs> the mechanics <laughs> of, of the, the interactions of the particles and stuff. They have no idea. So they make up explanations that don't really make sense. So that's the double slit. I thought about that for a lot of years because they really hang their hat on that experiment, quantum mechanics guys do. And so, you know, I just found the solution and was able to confirm that classical wave theory does just as well as, because it is, particle really is a wave just as much as it is a particle. And I know that's a little confusing to think about. How can it be both at the same time? Yeah, how? Yeah, particles are just not little marbles. That's what you it's, imagine, just like a tiny little bar. Yeah, exactly, like a little not, ball, little a little marble. It's a little tiny field that is a, basically a twist of space, but there's no hard edge, you know, because it's a field from the focus point of the particle outwards. Outwards, it expand. The field is expanding, so that thing is a field, a quanta field moving through space, and it's going to interact. That's that's why uh, Louis de Broglie's uh, uh, pilot wave theory works so well, because he takes that into consideration, because it's a field ahead of it's interacting as the particle goes through something, in this case, the double slit. And, and so even though it's a discrete little object, it's an object that is built as a wave. You know, it's it's like a ripple going through space as well. And and but it's not like a wave, like ocean waves. You drop a pebble in the water and it expands yeah, out. Like, that's yeah. that's different. A particle is a wave that's self-contained. It's a configuration of space, and it goes with it. This configuration, this field shape, travels is the particle. And it interacts with other things that it comes in contact with. So since it's a field and not a discrete point, not a little bullet, uh, it interacts with other structures, in this case, the double slit experiment. Interesting, because I did always think of them as little like marbles, like bouncing, right? You know, bouncing yeah. around. Well, you know, they, they kind of, you know, well, they did for a while think it was that. You know, they went back and forth. First, it was a wave. Newton thought it was a wave. Then uh, Maxwell treated the particles like photons as a wave. Uh, there was guys that did experiments that showed that light bent, or, you know, around, you know, refracted in certain ways. That said it was a wave. But then Einstein came along in 1905 and did the photoelectric ascent effect and said, oh, it's a not just a wave, but it's a discrete quantity of a wave uh, of something that, you know, has a certain amount of energy. And uh, that made it into a particle. And then from that point on, quantum mechanics grew because they started thinking about everything as particles. And it kind of, you know, went back and forth from wave to particle. Now it's duality. Now it's a wave Ooh. particle kind of thing, which is... Ooh, wave particle. 
Yeah, that I, I will give quantum mechanics on that. That's correct. Wave particle. So, do you think so? Basically, I mean, with these equations and such, is time travel possible? I mean, when moving through space time. Yeah. Well, it, again, you have to go and look at the spiritual realm. There's something going on there with time. People who have had near-death experiences noticed that when they get there, time is like not existent. <laughs> they have, they struggle to put it into words. Like a moment is an eternity and an eternity is a moment. And, and it's kind of hard for us to grasp that. But what is interesting <laughs> about that is that implies, and it's been said, that on the other side, in reality, time is all happening at once. All timelines, yes. all time segments. I've everything heard that, right? Yeah, everything is happening in parallel. If that were not true, then we couldn't have time travel. Because in order to do time travel now, all you got to do is jump from one segment to another. So if you can create a, a Stargate, which is the technology used to do that, uh, you can tune your, your field around the Stargate so that it's tuned to a certain time or dimension or location. Uh, you know, how that's done specifically, I don't know. There's some fancy math and computers involved. It has to do with the waveform that's coming out of the frame of the Stargate, which is a metamaterial, which is you're shooting lasers more than likely into this at a certain frequency and wavelength, and it hits the metamaterial and is accelerated tremendously. So now you've got a super high frequency. When those photons come out of that framework, they're, they're highly compressed, and that air and that space around that framework gets tuned to another dimension, another time, and uh, you could just simply step from here to there and be or observe in that time or that place. And I warn mankind not to play with time. It's a bad idea. And just because we can do it doesn't, doesn't mean we should do it, especially going back into the past. This is highly dangerous and can completely pollute the timeline and have unpredictable results. But what I found that is happening now, and I wish I had that link available from that video. Wendy's two for $6 lets you mix and match some of our best items, like... <gasps> Dave Single with a 10-piece crispy nugs. Medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich. Spicy chicken with a Dave Single. Dave Single with a strawberry lemonade. Strawberry lemonade. Strawberry lemonade. If you're into that. Chicken Sam. Crispy nugs. Crispy nugs. Strawberry lemonade. Dave's. Dave's. Nugs. Nugs. Sam. Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price and participation may vary at U.S. Wendy's. On the card only. Single item at regular price. This week at Macy's, find your new favorite jeans with 40% off Levi's looks for him and her just in time for spring. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 15% off handbags and wallets already 40 to 50% off. And take an extra 10% off great furniture and mattress deals too. 
Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. They're unable to change the events in the feasts from that date in December 2012. Something changed. And now they were playing with time and messing with things, which why maybe we're having the Mandela effect. People are remembering that. I don't remember it that way. You know, yeah, everybody's like Mandela effect. Messing with time, right? And changing things, subtle things. Um, But uh, I wouldn't, (laughs) uh, you know, the future, yeah. You know, I would like to go back in time just to see my childhood again. But yeah, really, I mean, I would go back as me at this age, not as a, I couldn't actually go back and be a child again. So a person entering a time machine and going back 50 years, there'll be two of you. There'll be you, the child, which you probably shouldn't mess with because right. you can mess up your own future. Uh, and then you, so you can observe and see things. And if you do that, then that's fine. Maybe not too messed up, but uh, I just think it's a really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many paradoxes and things that could go wrong. It's hard to predict. But um, anyway, the, this guy in this video says that they they no longer can affect this future event. Something is holding everything back. So I think that's very interesting. So time travel, I do believe, is possible. And going into the future, I'm sure, can be done as well. You just... Because it's all happening at once. It's eternal, as God is eternal. It's it's hard to wrap your head around, but people who have died and had near-death experiences say they go back and see the dinosaurs. They go back and, and watch uh, the time of Jesus and the apostles. They, they go back to the wherever they want to go and relive everything, you know, like, a, I guess, what do you call it? Um, a life review, but hundreds of life reviews, you know, all at once, because anything's possible time-wise when you, when you're in with the father and you're going through a life review and you're curious, there's, there's whole libraries where they have machines where people are, can look at certain events and study them. Like let's say the Indian wars in America there's people, that, that's what they do. They study you know, and learn things and they study how the people reacted. <laughs> time is a nifty thing. And I, in my book, I explain how time works here physically. The reason we have this linear kind of time yeah. here is because it's important to realize distance equals rate times time. If you don't have a real distance something made of something uh, as many scientists believe that space is equal to nothing zero that makes no sense again and i can prove it simply that you can't have space equal to nothing it must be a something there is an ether there must be something to traverse and it takes time to traverse something that's real so what do we see when we see a light particle, a light beam coming from the sun, it takes eight and a half minutes. If there were truly nothing between us and the sun, how long would it take for light to get here? There's zero. 
zero. Yeah. If you have zero distance, then the rate is going to go to infinity. So it's going to take no time for light particles to get to here from the sun. But we never see that. It always takes about eight and a half minutes. That's because space is made of something. It has properties yes. of permeability and permittivity. Measurable, real properties. And if space were equal to nothing, light would be infinitely fast. And we never see that. Never. So, <laughs> time requires um, density of something, of a material, a medium. Even Einstein says it. He, he talks about the ether and general relativity, and he talks about this very thing. And he says it in a much fancier way. He says at the end of his speech, the ether and general relativity, he says, Recapitulating, we may say that according to the general theory of relativity, space is endowed with physical qualities. In this sense, therefore, there exists an ether. According to general relativity, well, according to the theory of relativity, space without an ether is unthinkable. For in such space, there not only would be no propagation of light, but also no possibility for of existence for standards of space and time, measuring rods and clocks, nor therefore any space-time intervals in the physical sense. He's saying the same thing I just said, but much fancier, beautiful. <laughs> no space-time intervals. You can't have space-time intervals if there's no space. So space is something. It's not nothing. Space is something. And boy, I tell you, your physicists will just, I mean, they will turn into devils. <laughs> they will get so mad, some of them, <clears> that, I mean, they, they, you know, their tongue will split and their ears will stick out. They get mad at that idea. They laugh at people who say there is an ether. Oh, we just proved that in 1905, the Michelson and Morley experiment. It took me years to figure out why that experiment failed to detect the ether when, but I did. It's right in special <laughs> relativity. It's a simple explanation, but they never got it. They never understood. <sighs> but maybe they're learning. I don't know if you saw this comment from Mulcrum, because earlier you were talking about life review, but he said scientists the other day concluded that an experiment in which they studied dying people have discovered something happened in the brain that resembles a life review. Well, scientists... They're always trying, you know, the modern main day scientists are always trying to explain away the life review. Uh, I heard yes. one scientist, um, very popular guy, I like him, uh, Neil deGrasse. Yeah, Tyson. yeah. He said, well, they see a white light. You know what that is? What? In the operating room, the big white, white light above. Oh, yeah, the light, yeah. Well, I got news for you, Neil. Some of these people didn't die in the operating room. They died in the ambulance. They died out in the open, being struck by lightning. They died drowning. There's no light where people are drowning. You know what? Neil, you're wrong. And then he went on to say, well, you know what we did? We did this experiment, and we put little sheets of paper on them with something writing on it and see if they could see that because they claimed they were floating above. Well, he doesn't say how many people they did, whether they even had a life review yeah. or, or out of body. And he said, none of the people saw anything. 
Well, you know what, Neil? There are loads of people who saw stuff and had their consciousness that was out of their body confirmed by somebody else who they heard praying, who they heard the thoughts in their mind. And they said, how did you know that? I was praying in the other room, in the other room. When, when you died on the table, how did you know that? And then there's a one NDE person who went out of this body and went out of the hospital, saw a shoe on the ledge outside of the hospital. And when he came back, I said, you know, there's a sneaker on a ledge outside of the, and you know what they went and looked? And there was. Sneaker. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're going to get that. You're going to get some people say, well, yeah, you can get this effect. Uh, when your brain is running out of oxygen, they, they keep using that. But you know what? All the atheists, <laughs> when they have an NDE and they come back, you know what? what did they Every say? one of them is a believer. <laughs> yeah, they just change makes it like that. Changes your brain. Because, like, to me, it makes me wonder what this whole, like, consciousness is. We're not, like, we are, it's still, we still exist outside of our body. It, um, yes. And that's what the NDE is showing. I certainly hope so, because all of this kind of becomes meaningless without uh, an afterlife. And a, you're eternal. We are all eternal. We um, we never really die. And I've spoken to George Anderson. I don't know if you're familiar with him, a very prominent, world-famous psychic. And all he does is grieving, you know, helping people get over loss and um i've been in not only him talk to my parents through him but through another psychic to give you evidence that there is an afterlife and everyone should know this if you get anything out of this discussion get this there is an afterlife there is a god a jesus a buddha whatever you know you happen to believe in it's a, there is a god god is a universal being I had a, a meeting when I was having troubles with my first wife, and it was recommended that I go to a psychic, believe it or not, uh, because I was <laughs> with the future, and I was wanting to do things, and there was a whole bunch of problems with it, me and my wife. He put all that aside. The point I want to bring up is when I, we were there, my wife and I, in this hotel room with this psychic, June Regus was her name, uh, she, my mother comes through. My mother had just passed away a few years earlier. And at night, what I used to do when I'd pray sometimes at night, I looked, there was a golden yellow chair in my room, nice, comfortable chair. And I would imagine my mother sitting on the chair. I would ask her to sit on a chair and I would just have a, a prayerful conversation with her, just letting her know how my day was and everything. So now June Rick sits down and we're talking and she says, your mother's here. And she wants to tell you she's been sitting in the golden yellow chair in your bedroom at night while you're praying. She heard you. Aww. There is no way she could have guessed that because I never spoke that aloud, not even to my wife. There's no way she could have looked that up on the Internet. I got news for you. Your family, your friends, everybody passes away. They live on. Nobody dies. And there are guardian angels here with us, too. We're never alone. So understand these things. God is wanting the world to know this. He's sending an army of these people down and the ears telling them to tell them. Because we need, we need that faith. We need 
that reassurance now. You know, things are getting screwed up. The education, the system is not so good. They're taking religion out of schools and so forth. And we need that balance. We need that truth. And, and that's the truth. And no matter how much people want to make it not so, it's, it's so. It's real. And it's a good thing. It's a comforting thing to know that there is an afterlife and your loved ones are, are still alive and you'll see them again someday. It's a good thing. No, it is a good thing. Where do they live? I mean, do they just exist in another dimension and they can come here? Like, how does that? Is that basically it? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's another dimension. Heaven is definitely a higher dimension. Um, there's probably loads of dimensions, probably an infinite amount. Uh, I don't know that for absolutely sure. I speculate there. Uh, there's infinite amounts of universes that are being created all the time. Uh, and there's no reason not to be. I mean, is space infinite? Probably. There's probably no end. There's probably universes going on until the end of time. <laughs> it's hard to get our brains wrapped around the idea of an eternal and infinity, especially when we're in this finite form where there's beginnings and ends. So we're yeah. used to, there's a beginning, there's an end, another beginning, another end. The star is born, the star dies. The earth is born, the earth dies. People live. Yeah. They, but this is just a segment of a much bigger thing. Our life, our individual life is just one of many lives, a single thread in the tapestry of our soul. It just goes on. It's like a beautiful song that just continues. It may be heading towards something. I don't know. I can only speculate that there may be a gathering someday where all of us are gathered into one super being or something. I don't know. That's just speculation. That one, I haven't really found much evidence for. I heard little inklings here or there, but I'm not really sure about that. But there's a purpose for being alive, definitely for living a good life, doing the best you can. No, and I'm I'm glad you say say that because you know, I don't know. I don't know if there's something else, but you know, it's nice to hear, you know, and I do think that your relatives can come visit you, so that always makes me feel good. But I was like, where are they from? Are they are they are they hanging out somewhere? Are they just they're ghosts or are they just like popping in, you know? Uh, if you think about them and you or pray to them or with, um, they'll be there right by you. You know, if you're getting married, they'll be at your wedding, even if they're not alive, they'll still be there to watch and to participate. My father is watching some of my kids now, he's telling me about it. <laughs> they watch people, you know, they do, they take classes on the other side, just like. All kinds of things going on. And uh, it's much more than you can imagine, I'm sure. I've heard stories where there's just children playing. You go back to be a child and you're playing on the beach. And you might do that for 100,000 years, but it only seems like a few days to you. Time just is Different. flexible there. It flexes. And... Um, you do what you need to do, uh, and um, there's all kinds of activities going on there. And um, 
I'm glad it's that way. And I know it's hard to believe. I mean, I'm it still. It sounds the, really nice. It well, sounds look, really nice. When we're in the material body, it's really hard to be convinced of this stuff unless you experience it yourself. That's true. You, That's true. If you have an NDE, there'll be no it doubt is. in your mind. It's That's like, true. I could tell you all the stuff. <laughs> From now until, you know, or I could tell myself when I listen to NDEs and then I still think, I just see this stuff, you know, and it's, it's hard to get out of the material body because it affects your thinking. And, uh, but if you have that solid dose of an NDE, a real experience, you come back and you know, you know, when you were there, everything looked super real and super 3D, even clearer than, than what we experienced when we were alive, you know, that was real and you got the memory of that. And so there's no doubt anymore, but uh, not everybody has NDEs, you know, so we just got to learn to listen and be wise enough to start believing. I'm not saying there aren't some people out there who made up stuff to write a book or whatever, but for the most part, there's just tens of thousands of them now they're just you know thanks to the medical technology and stuff people are being brought back after they've died progressive presents adjusting to the suburbs i never thought about space in my cramped apartment but in this house all i see is empty space the sofa and ottoman look like tiny islands in a sea of hardwood floors i could get two ottomans in the living room but then i'd need another sofa i could tell people i'm into minimalism Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. This week at Macy's, find your new favorite jeans with 40% off Levi's looks for him and her just in time for spring. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 15% off handbags and wallets already 40 to 50% off. And take an extra 10% off great furniture and mattress deals too. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. That's the regular often, thing all across the world every day. More often all the time, right? So there's and not all They're not all making it up, and it's not all some sort of a brain phantasm of some sort. Uh, it's the real deal. And I don't care how many scientists staunchly stand up and explain it as a light on the ceiling or uh, oxygen brain deprivation and stuff. A lot of these people, there's no activity. The brain has gone dead. It's a flat line. You're not thinking anymore. There's no processing going on. You're just simply dead. Yet these people, 10, 15 minutes, whatever, they have all this experience and memories when they come back. The odds are against the scientists on this one. They're not yeah, right. They're not really good. bad. Scientists are really bad at explaining things they can't see. That's true. They really fall on their faces whenever they're trying to measure or determine something. Their schema really breaks down if they can't see it themselves. If they and can't just, see it, then they they say they can't measure it. Then they're like, right. okay, yeah. so it doesn't exist. And they they don't. What's amazing is they don't even really come up with a a halfway good explanation. It's usually 
something that's worse than the real thing that you can explain, use as the explanation. It's like far worse. Uh, the star formation theory, that's laughably bad. <laughs> and, they, and they will not let go of that. It, it just doesn't make sense to why not look at these things like you have and just look at it again in a new way just to make sure if it's right like it's why not well there are there are some scientists that are, that are religious and and spiritual and, and they're out there uh i've seen some of them and and they have done some good work and I, I think eventually we will get to that the aliens know there's 18 they know there's a god they don't there's no, you know, atheist aliens out there that I know of. There's so no atheist. They, they know he's a universal supreme being, an infinite intelligence. Uh, they're psychically able to connect much more effectively than we can. We're only just beginning to develop our psychic potential and skills. Imagine where we'll be in a million years from now. I guess we'll be moving. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll have big heads like that, too. And you got a big brain, you got a lot of psychic abilities, and they have amazing psychic abilities. It's like, yeah, they got big old heads. Yeah, so they can connect with the other side themselves directly. So, you know, they know. It's so there's ghost aliens? Pardon? So does that mean there's ghost aliens or alien heaven, or do they all go to the same place? No, I mean, does that mean? There's things that are hard to explain, like, devils, demons, and so forth that you see on a lot of these TV shows. Uh, there are definitely devil-like people on the other side that refuse to go to God, and they stay in the void, and or they stay here on earth and make mischief and mayhem, but that's their, their choice, apparently. You know, and I've given that a lot of thought. I says, why is there evil in, in this world? Yeah. And um, I was talking with a physicist, and uh, I was thinking about my answer, which I've had for a while. It's because it's necessary. And uh, he was talking, and he says to me, I think there's evil because we need it. We have to have it. And I, and I got excited, and I shook his hand. I think, I think you're right. He says it's a part of the struggle. Without evil, there's nothing to struggle against. And... Um, so it's part of the plan and you know it's something to overcome in some cases so people have negative experiences hauntings and this stuff it's yeah. something you're just going to have to you know grow through and, and learn and you know help the people pass over if they're just regular individuals if they're demons you just gotta exercise them and get them the hell out yeah so that's, I mean, that's a part of our reality. That's an unpleasant part of our reality. Uh, see, I knew because I, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is there good versus evil, and there is, there always has been, I guess, you know, and it's the duality of our our universe or this universe or I don't know many of the universes. Who knows? Yeah, it, it's it's part of the. Uh, Part of the dream, part of the, we are, we're living in a shared dream uh, and we're able to experience all kinds of things like that. I 
don't go looking for that stuff. Nor do I want to mess. I don't don't mess with Ouija boards. Uh, yeah, don't mess with. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to invite those troublesome troublesome things in. I just work with the light and try to stay positive and uh, try to be intuitive and let that guide me. It's, it's the way to the best way to go through life. Start listening to my guardian angels. Uh, there are times when I didn't, and I almost got myself killed. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I was saved most definitely by my guardian angel. Uh, I had two, a man and a woman. And one day I'm driving home. This is when I'm still married to my first wife, and I'm driving home from IBM. And I go up to this road. There's a T intersection, so I can go left, I can go right. Now, left is the quiet roads, country roads. It's a little longer, but it's a lot more, less stressful drive. Right? Lots of traffic, shorter, lots of lights and stuff. I almost always go left. So I'm going up there and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to go left today. And once I thought that, I heard a voice in this left ear. I heard the voice as if it were a person right next to my ear speaking to me. So not in my head. Outside, like it outside was a, your head, like right here. I make that perfectly clear. That's I heard a person's voice say, "Don't go that way." I whipped around. I looked around. I said, "What was that?" Like, well, who, you're like, "Who? Who now? What? Who was it?" That I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. And then I said, oh, "I'm going to go that way." And then it says again, "Don't go that way." So I stopped at the light uh, at the intersection, and I'm thought looked around again, there's nobody there. And what do you think I did? Didn't go that way. I went that way. <gasps> yeah, because I had to prove to what I just experienced was real. I couldn't believe it. My scientific mind just said, that could not be happening. It could not be real, right? But keeping that in mind, says, okay, there might be something going on ahead. There's, they could see in the future, apparently, and they see something bad coming. So it's going to be a head-on collision. So I need to be driving very carefully, looking ahead the whole time, looking away, make sure don't go through any lights if it's close. Be alert. So, you know, I got behind a van, and I'm looking you know, around and looking. And about three-quarters of the way home, I see this truck starting to swerve to two-lane highway. I mean, he's going into our lane and people are going off the road and then he goes all the way into his lane, goes off the road, comes back on the road, goes all the way over and he's doing this over and over in a pickup truck. And pretty soon, you know, he's heading right at me. So I turn the wheel hard as I can, go spinning off into a ditch. And I can remember seeing him as we're going by, looking at the guys. He just missed me by inches. And, uh, when I was in that ditch and that guy finally spun around and stopped in the middle of the road, I said to myself, the next time somebody tells you not to go that way, <gasps> don't go that way. This week at Macy's, find your new favorite jeans with 40% off Levi's looks for him and her just in time for spring. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 15% off handbags and wallets already 40 to 50% off. And take an extra 10% off great furniture and mattress deals, too. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.
told Burn. my wife, you'll never believe what happened. I heard this angel warn me, and I almost died because I didn't listen to him. And I apologized to the angel. I said, I'm sorry. I should have listened to you. You must be very frustrating for because that guy isn't responsible to make sure I don't exit early. And, and, and he did his best, and I still did the wrong thing. And so what they had to do was change my thinking and stuff, apparently, so I didn't hit the guy head on and die because it wasn't my time yet. And you, there's stories like that out there. There are thousands of stories like that. My wife had an experience similar to that. This lady at a writing uh, club that I belong to had a very similar experience where she gets pushed off a railroad track and then she turns around to look as the train goes by and just misses her to shake the person's hand for saving her and there was nobody there. Holy so shit. She was so moved by that. She wrote a short story about it and brought it to class and we all read it. It was amazing. There are loads of people who have had incidences. This is not an isolated thing. This is happening all the time. If it's not your time, you'll be warned and protected. This is the real world, the world you can't see, the world the scientists can't see, the one they can't put in the lab and measure. But just because they can't do it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's not real. It is. It's amazing. It's amazing to because, you know, I always wonder, like, is it real? What's real? I don't know what's real, you know. But, you know, part of part of me doing this show is so that I can, like, expand my realities and expand my mind and learn these different things. Mm-hmm. But so I like to say, I always think, okay, so if it is real, well, then that sounds pretty darn nice that if you have some guardian angels, it sounds, it, you know, that sounds really, it sounds pleasant. It just sounds really pleasant. Well, it's good. It's part of the, the life plan. It's um they're actively helping us to remember what it is we came in life to do. Some of us never, we get distracted by the material world and, yeah. and, we, and we, we think we're successful, but we kind of really fail. And when we get to the other side, you, you get the life review and you see, oh, geez, I didn't treat people very nice. I didn't do that. I, oh, that was bad. But it's all done with non-judgmental way because, God loves everyone purely and completely. So there's there's no you know punishment going on or anything. You just learn that you could have done this better and how you could have done it better. And then there's things you did well and, and those are reviewed as well. And so it's a learning experience, basically. And being alive is you're going to fail sometimes. It's kind of the nature of the game. Uh, it, it's... This life is a stubbornly persistent illusion, and it's hard to get around, but, you know, it's a part of a greater reality, let's say, that, that we're, it's a life experience, a very valuable thing, it's precious. Uh, try to enjoy your life as best you can, is what I say. Try to find out what your calling is. Pray. Yeah. <laughs> Ask. Pray. Yeah, okay. Ask, pray, God. Yeah, there, you know, the, what people don't realize is they would love to have a conversation with you and help you out. But, but people are so busy doing living the mundane life and watching TV. Yeah. And, 
and doing stuff that's kind of mindless. You just kind of stumble through life and, you know, they're there for you, but they don't get to help much because you're not listening. You know, just believe. You start with the belief and the knowledge and, and um, you will be uh, communicated to and helped. Whatever it is you need to do, whatever it is your heart desire is, but it helps to know that you've got this team on your side that's out there ready to go. So that's a good message for everybody to take home from this show as well. I think that's a wonderful message. We have gone a little bit over, but it's been such a wonderful conversation. And I think that's a beautiful place where we can end it. So, Mark, I've been dropping your links throughout the show, but where can everybody who's listening on the podcast now, where can everybody um, find you? Um, mainly at uh, super hyphen relativity.com. Uh, and I got links to my papers on ResearchGate. I've got more videos you can watch. Um, oh, let's see what else I got there. I got a blog. I need to add some new stuff in there. I got the Father Rick Wendell video there, which is a great video. Um, I got, um, you could buy my book there from the website, which is better from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I sign it and send it to you. And uh, I'm trying to think what else is on that website. Oh, and I have a YouTube page. Yep, you have a YouTube channel. Let me drop that in the chat too. Yeah, a YouTube page. Uh, I haven't done the Twitter thing yet. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to do that. And I don't know, understand how that works yet. But um, so mainly YouTube. It's like good, and then it's also like evil. Like I can't. <laughs> You know, I got to be careful in my line of work, but there are some people, physicists, mainly who want to argue and, and they can get nasty. <laughs> and I don't want to, you know, get into argument. Look, this is what I've found to be true. I'm offering this information for you to consider. That's it. Don't need to, you know, call names, get personal or any of that stuff. I'm not going to get into that. It's just. I'm offering a better way and a solution to a lot of problems. And, and that's what the book is about. And that's um, what I'm going to continue to do until I fulfilled all the tasks that I have left to do. And then when I can leave this earth and I owe no more to time and destiny, I could go there and say on the other side and say, I've done my part. Now it's up to the people that are left behind to do whatever. Hopefully, they'll push the ball further forward. Oh. Well, thank you so much, Mark. I'm, I've, I've enjoyed and appreciated this whole conversation. The chat room loved it. Um, thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, we'd love to have you back anytime because I know you, there's so much more. That wasn't it. Oh, oh, for the people in the chat room, if you have any questions, leave them in the comments down below when this video goes on YouTube. I'll stop by and answer any of your questions, or you can go to my website too and leave me a, a there's a thing where you can sign up for uh, register or whatever, and you can sign up there and give me your email and it'll send me a message and I can reply to your message. Either do that or leave comments underneath this video or questions. I'd be happy to answer those. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. Azuki Love says, amazing teacher. He explains clearly. Yes. Yes, I agree. Thank you so much, everybody. And remember to join me live this Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on YouTube. Thank you, guys. Until next time, this has been Escape the Simulation. I'm your host, Jess Rogie, and this has been Super Relativity with Mark Forientino. So thank you, guys. And thank you, everybody in the chat room.